Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Prove that I, I can play at that level. Some of my best games were against some of the top teams in the world. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is with just lack that intensity. OK, Sarah, 13 hours in Croke Park, and we're going to start in the red with a couple of losing performances from the weekend. Sure, OK. I'm starting with Claire. OK. Mm-hmm. Kilkenny... Ran out, come out winners 125 to 122 mm. but for me Claire Brian Lowen potentially could be the one in the red as opposed to Claire mm. that first half yeah. that decision to play Shane Amori as a sweeper trying to explain that to two American lads <laughs> midst game trying to explain it to the country was out of love <laughs> yeah and before Christmas lads I was in Croke Park with you guys uh, for Ballyhale Shamrocks Ballygunner and Dunloy matches right yeah. And Richie Reid had the run at Croke Park that day and he was pinning passes around Croke Park and I was so adamant with Ashing O'Reilly that I couldn't figure out why they'd give Richie Reid the run of Croke Park. Mm. And Brian Brian Lowen did the same yesterday. And it allowed Claire, or sorry, it allowed Kilkenny to have such good restarts and allowed them to pick out pockets of space. And it continued for 35 minutes. So it clearly wasn't working. And Brian Lowen didn't make the change. Yeah, took too long to to do something about it, didn't he? Yeah, but see, Maury was just so adrift. He wasn't getting across. And I know I'm being very technical here now. But my point is, it was glaringly obvious for 35 minutes that this sweeper system that wasn't necessary yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't have been in force. And Clare played into Kilkenny. Yeah, they, like Clare changed how they've been playing the championship, but presumably because they were spooked from what happened last year. Like they were absolutely hammered at half time. Last it was only five points in it this time. Like was the sweep was the choice to play Maury in the sweeper system? Was that the losing of the match? Because there was only five points in it at half time, and then Claire ended up going two points ahead but midway through the second half. This wasn't this wasn't the team that played last year. This was a different team that Claire had. This is my frustration with it. Dave McNerney looked to be flying fish. John Conlon was available. Um, you had David Fitzgerald, Cahill Malone. You had Ryan Taylor. You had Mark Rogers. Mm. This was a different Claire team. Mm. they shouldn't have been looking backwards they shouldn't have been looking at what happened last year Claire had come on leaps and bounds from that every commentator to this point this season had said this is a different Clare team yeah. so to be spooked by what happened against Kilkenny last year was naivety beyond the extreme and Brian Lowen is in the red not Clare but, so when they went man for man in the second half much improved but Kilkenny still won the game so why is that do you think the goalkeepers yesterday were incredible both of them yeah brilliant but Ivor Quilligan made a massive error and it was punished immediately by TJ Reid and finished off expertly by Owen Cody. So as much as, you know, you can say that Kilkenny, you know, were ice in the veins. Yeah. Ultimately, Clare made too many mistakes to to win an All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah. And he, like Owen Cody, you mentioned, like even in that first half, that uh, battle with Rory here is the three points from play in the first half. You're thinking, this guy is on form today and just goal, like everything about his performance yesterday, including the second half. And there was a moment in the second half yesterday, I think it was when Clare went two up, where every little foul, everything was getting the fist pump, it was getting the crowd on, on side. 
and you're thinking right momentum here massively with Clare but then the goal happens exactly you know so so my issue I suppose is that in that first half Clare were getting blocked down mm. Kilkenny were working so hard actually the Connor Fogarty uh, save yeah happened right I'm in back. front of me yeah. right in yeah. front of me um, you know uh, everything that er, don't get me wrong Kilkenny absolutely fully deserved the win mm-hmm. but Clare made too many mistakes and when I say too many they probably made too too many mistakes to, to deserve to win the game you see I think Galloway are fully deserved to be in the red and we'll get to them but mm. I, I think uh, even Lowen like he corrected the mistake at half time like I don't know if he should be in red because he, he, they were absolutely annihilated. No, no, last no, year. no, no, no. So it wasn't Tony, Tony Kelly didn't score last year and he was like, we need, we need to do something Tony here Kelly to scored it. a point today. At, at one stage in the first half, uh, Mikey Butler took off and Tony Kelly was marking Mikey Butler. Yeah, yeah. Now stop it, lads. Like that's and nearly scored an unbelievable point. He obviously pulled away. But, but Brian Cannon was deep for Galloway on Saturday and he performed very well. Like, you know, there, there was ways around it. I, I see, I thought Claire were good. I thought they played very well yesterday. And but for the, and but the most extraordinary save you're ever likely half. to see at Crow Park, they could have won that game. Well, I, that's I, the volley the first. first. Let yeah, but the second half. Yeah, but with that, like what I'm saying in the first half was the the positioning that we had behind the goal, where Jareed was so obviously free. There was so, there was too many bodies inside there. This was the issue. Shane Amore is up the other end. The, there was way more space in the Kilkenny um, inside line, so mm. it wasn't even working. Clare weren't even clogging up the space on the other side, yeah. but from the point vantage point of Shane O'Donnell he had so little space because Richard Reid was playing that position so well so I think Brian Lowen didn't get it right and we'll come to Limerick later on what they did yeah. well Limerick were in trouble after 25 minutes Nicky Quaid pulls yeah. a fast one and yeah. Kinnert gets the message in mm-hmm. Limerick go from six points down to one point down before half time so Clare could have made a switch 20 minutes in well, once they went orthodox, minutes the first three minutes of the second half, didn't they score three points? First quarter, they, were, they outscored uh, Kilkenny, I was at one eight to three points in the first 18 minutes of the second it, half. They were relentless in that in that third quarter. So why couldn't that have happened 20 minutes in? Yeah. It was as plain as a nose on my face. Can I ask you, and I know you're both Cork people, the referee yesterday was from Cork, Cullum Lions, mm-hmm. um, and there was a moment in the second half where Duggan makes the catch, launches the ball in, they score the goal, it's pulled back for the advantage in yeah. the free. That wasn't the only maybe issue. Qualmer issue that, yeah. that Clare fans might have had yesterday like was the referee's performance sub yeah he blew, he blew up too early but a bit like um, Ireland's disallowed goal against France last Thursday night like the, the French goalkeeper stopped so the finish was easier and I think the Kilkenny players stopped a bit too because the Possibly. whistle was blown so I don't think it's I don't think it would have played out like that I think Tommy Walsh said it to Joe yesterday on with ourselves saying like if the ref didn't blow for that free and the ball went in as a 50-50 challenge then the Clare fans would have also gone well, mad if yeah. Kenny had won it so I think it's easy to say in hindsight yeah. and also there was a long long way to go after that but that's not the issue I think I think yesterday my frustration with, with Lions was constantly putting up the hand and then putting down the hand and putting up the hand and putting down the hand the game wasn't allowed to flow at one stage in the first half Mikey Butler and Tony Kelly share uh, like a moment we'll say you know one's on top the other's on top yeah. one's on top and then the free is given out mm. Mikey, Butler, Mikey Butler gets an opportunity Tony Kelly should have had you know should have been allowed to, to win the ball and play the ball instead Mikey Butler gets a free out that was a massive momentum change because the frustration on Tony Kelly's face at that moment it was clearly the wrong decision mm. there was a charge on John Conlon he's on, on the ground him, wasn't it? yeah he's, f- he's flat on the ground and you know the, the decision wasn't to change the free it was for for TJ Reid 
to pop over a, a handy free, but clearly John Conlon had been injured. There were so many instances in the game where Colin Lyons didn't seem to be in control of the game. Did you think uh, Kilkenny got too many soft frees or were most of them legitimate? Because TJ Reid doesn't need help. Like That was the one pity in the game, actually, that TJ Reid had so many frees yeah. that yeah. it was uh, you'd, you'd love to see the frees taken away and these two sides go head to head. My issue was that I felt Cullum was misjudging kind of the stuff that was going on in the background between Clare and Kilkenny. Kilkenny are well able to leather it into teams yeah. and, and do it covertly, we'll say. And he was just very technical on what Clare were doing to Kilkenny, but he wasn't astute enough to see that Kilkenny were masters of the dark arts yesterday off camera. Yeah. I'm just mindful before we move on that we have to highlight the two most amazing moments you're ever likely to see. Like Peter Tuggan, as you call it, the volley shot at the end and Owen Murphy's save. Oh. Like I was watching on TV and I just made this like involuntary noise like, ah? yeah. like how, what? how do you do that? I just thought I hit the bar directly. And then um, Shane O'Donnell's goal. Yeah, I mean, what, 63 minutes? Yeah. He loves that hill 16 end, yeah. doesn't he? And even his high fielding in the first half. But that goal, like... It, 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 the, goal, it, the save was so good afterwards that the goal is actually the second biggest yeah. highlight I, for me like everyone in the stadium was enthralled for the last 10 minutes I, I know I said I was in Croke Park for 13 hours <laughs> yesterday but if it had gone to extra time you wouldn't have minded I yeah. would have <laughs> held on to my seat I'd have taken my seat home yeah, like I was yeah, yeah. S- yeah and when the volley right happens right you're like okay that that, that is inch perfect yeah. there is nobody stopping that yeah. that is and then there's this mo- the whole stadium goes silent mm-hmm. really weird deathly silent it's like where's the ball eerie eerily silent and then Owen Murphy cat like flicks the ball up over the bar and we have we have a moment of for the ages it was like the, I remember being at the Cork Limerick semi in 2018 was why Nicky Nicky Quaid? Quaid made that safe why are like, you bringing that up today <laughs> sorry to bring that up guys and surrounded by two Cork people why are that. you bringing that up today I, <laughs> firstly yeah firstly I just have to say Peter Duggan's volley yeah amazing piece of skill stunning stunning piece of skill and I thought he was excellent yeah. all through the game um, some massive catches yesterday dogged work rate finding spaces when there wasn't genuine space to be got but to be undone by Owen Murphy and that Kilkenny performance <sighs> ridiculous we'll talk about Kilkenny later yeah. because needless to say they're in the green they are before we move on from the red what do we say about Galway like uh, same old same old like it, 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 the game kind of went as expected but although in the first half Galway I guess would be pretty pleased with how things were were playing out but Limerick's intensity was just on another level so in that first 25 minutes and Willow Donahue's sitting back centre back and he's clearly struggling mm. the communication piece isn't working Barry Nash is having a figure <laughs> behind him Barry Nash doesn't know where to stand yeah. and all I can think of in that moment is why hasn't the camera panned to Declan Hannan because surely yeah. he is going absolutely bananas, saying, "Lads, I've you know I've been with you for so long now. Surely one of you noticed what I do in a game." <laughs> because it was yeah. so obviously not what was required from that position. Credit to Will O'Donoghue. Yeah. Second half difference. Oh, ma- well, twenty five minutes in, yeah. massive, massive, massive change. Um, they went. I suppose the work rate did increase massively. You know they. There was a number of things that changed after that, I suppose, first horrendous 25 minutes. But from Galway's point of view, they looked like they had ran out of petrol, lads, midway through the second half. They Around the 50-minute mark. And I thought Ian Lynch actually was impeccable for Limerick. And mm. he, it took him a while to get into the game. But in that third quarter... 
I sound very American, in that third quarter, he was exceptional. The amount of ball that he picked up. When you mentioned Brian Lohan in the red, like, is there an argument, Henry Shefflin, so Cork had the two men inside, and then I think Limerick maybe just scored two, two points in a row. I, I felt there was nothing really to worry about. It was just a couple of quick uh, Limerick points in a row, and then he changes to the one, uh, one up on the inside line, and then the game just changed. I'm not, like, I'm not sure Shefflin got his in-game management right. Two weeks ago I spoke about him having his best day in the Galway jersey or Galway management mm. seat against Tipperary and I felt like the template that he played against Tipperary he seemed to try to apply to Limerick which was probably the naive thing to do because even you know Glennon for Galway yeah. playing for you know 40-45 minutes and then them bringing in Tom Monaghan yeah. it was just it, it was very Groundhog Day same same yeah. and Predictable massively predictable and then you know Jason Flynn's not available he's injured so there wasn't that Walter Walsh style presence coming in late on to give Limerick any kind of pressure and then the third part was obviously the bench Shefflin had nine months to deliver a bench for Galway Mm. and we had spoken in the championship the Leinster championship about how they were kind of at their ease finding these players to come through to come on Two options came on yesterday for Galway in scoreable options. Conor Cooney and Liam Collins, neither of them was effective. Yeah. So maybe Henry and Brian deserve to be in the red. Yeah, I think so. The post-match there, trying to give Shefflin a lot of credit actually to his face and he was he was actually turning down the credit saying, no, it's, it, it doesn't feel like progress. This feels really disappointing. And like another highlight from the week, Colin Mannion's goal was a bit like the passing of Cooney's pass inside oh, to Mannion and the goal from the tight angle. He should never have down. tried that shot, you know. I was thinking this is this is a low percentage effort. Yeah, like, the low a, percentage point. shot. What a goal. It was a stunning goal. Great first, great first 25, as you say. Yeah, great first 25 minutes. But I actually, and interestingly... Tough, tough question put to Joe Canning um, on the panel yeah. after the game. They He was asked, you know, does he back Henry Shefflin to stay on next year? And Joe said, Henry Shefflin is the greatest player of all time. Of course, we want him in charge. I think that's a big statement from somebody of yeah. Joe Canning's calibre in Galway. It probably takes the pressure off a little bit in that Henry knows that he has that kind of backing. Yeah. It would have been a different scenario if Joe had said maybe... He's not the play- he's not the manager for us. I think it'd be a bit premature to say that he needs to go. Like you're playing against a generational team here. Oh yeah, it's one of the sure. best sides ever. Yeah. So interestingly, the Galway team that lost the minor All Ireland this year was heavily fancied from under twelve. My sources say right. right. Big shock that Clare undid them. Right. But if that team has been together for the bones of six, seven years, and there's real quality there. Those are the players that need to come through to under 20s and those are the players that you'd be hoping to see in the next two years and no better person than Henry Shefflin to work with a group yeah. that is inev- unequivocally talented. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, I suppose, what the bonus is and we'll talk about the under 20 rugby team later and what's coming through but in the same breath, if Henry hangs on and this group of players delivers in the way that people say they can, maybe it's not all doom and gloom for Galway this morning despite yeah. being in the red. Despite being in the red this morning. Also in the red, we have Kilkenny Camogie, one point defeat Cork. I'm wearing my Cork top this morning. Notice okay. that. Yeah. You're look, both, well, you're wearing maroon, Colin, but yeah, close enough. Look, yesterday in Croke Park, I suppose the, the manner of the victory mm. probably summed up Kilkenny's season. I've been watching them since February. I was in Parnell Park at the start of the year when they played Dublin in the league. They weren't motoring that day. 
they weren't motoring against Wexford in the first round of the championship this year. Um, Wexford came back from 10 points down to draw level. Mm. They only managed to draw against Tipperary last week. Their season never kicked into gear. And yesterday, when they needed a kick against Cork, they didn't get it. And the refereeing yesterday for Cork was an issue as well. So Cork had two penalties denied yesterday. Referee got out of dodge yesterday because if Kilkenny had won that game, there would have been a massive issue with the fact that Cork were denied two penalties, especially so late on. Um, I would say from Kilkenny's point of view, they'll look back at the season overall, not just at that game yesterday and say, we weren't at our pitch and we deserve to be in the red. There's obviously heavy focus put on the protests at the moment um, in, in the Camogie and the, the ladies' football especially. And uh, certainly in this game, it was highlighted, I think. It's fair to say, Sarah. Bit of confusion at the start of the game. So the two teams were given the option to come out with the Unite for Equality t-shirts on, uh, puck around before the game with them on so that they'd be visible for, for the TV. And then they were given the option of either staying on the pitch and taking off the t-shirts on the pitch or going back into the dressing room to take off the t-shirts. Cork chose to go into the dressing room. Kilkenny chose to stay on the field and have their chat at um, pitch side. But what it looked like, because an explanation wasn't forthcoming beforehand, it looked like they weren't united for equality. And I suppose there was a lot of conversation on Twitter and there was a lot of conversation on the airwaves and on the commentary that... You know, was this a break from the protests? Mm. And I suppose the clarification was given by the GPA after, no, this wasn't a break from the protests. Both sides were given the opportunity to decide at what point they would go into the pitch or what point they would stay, you know, on the pitch. So Kilkenny, unfortunately, I suppose, have are unlucky in that they've been tarred by a communication error yeah. on the part of the GPA because I suppose we're unsure as to whether or how this protest is going to escalate. Um, and on Saturday, we thought there was going to be a bigger protest. We thought the girls were going to turn up to Croke Park wearing mm. shorts instead of squirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine explaining that one to the Americans. <laughs> um, and they didn't. You know, they, they had kept quite, I suppose, uh, formulaic in what they've done in the last few weeks. Yeah, I so I the, I, you're asking me about the protests and whether they're effective? Not if everyone's not united. <laughs> but I suppose they are united. You know, it's just they were given two options and one went one way and one went yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less options, the better. Yeah, but I suppose my point on, on Saturday, and I was in the studio on Saturday yeah. with Joanne Cantwell, and Joanne had asked me, you know, what what are you looking for? And I explained what the minimum standards that the teams were looking for. And then she looked down at the stadium and she said, the place is empty. This is the first time Antrim Arena in All-Ireland quarterfinal in 40 years. Why aren't women supporting women? Yeah. And she's right. My issue is that the spectacle isn't as good as the hurling spectacle right now. And I suppose women are choosing to go to the hurling games that are on at the same time as the camogie matches. And it's... Which is another issue altogether. The timing of the games. Yeah, yeah, but but if there was 10,000 women in Croke Park yesterday watching the men's hurling. Yeah. And we've all paid 50 quid a pop. So that's half a million euros. I think if you polled every woman who went out of Croke Park yesterday and said... You had a great day in Croke Park today. You've given 50 quid. Do you mind if the GA Sivens off a percentage of that mm. to the improvement of women's sport? I think we would. you'd be hard-pressed to find a woman in Croke Park yesterday who wouldn't say, Jesus, of course, mm-hmm. give the women a few bob. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I, I can't play hurling, you know, so I, I can't benefit from the GA. Mm-hmm. 
but I've given my 50 quid yesterday and you know we're if we integrate, is that not what's going to happen anyway? Yeah. So no. if 2024 is the year to do it and the money's there, then maybe we need a bit of forward thinking yeah, from absolutely. the GA. Fully agree. Uh, it was a strange one, certainly, at the weekend with that mm. game and, and a one-point defeat, as we said, for Kilkenny against Cork. Uh, on to the amber, we have the tennis. Right. Now, a, a little snippet there, Liam Brody. Um, talking about his mum not being able to mm. um, watch the games. And I'm wondering... <laughs> Parents put so much time into these games. I know. And then they can't even watch the games for the nerves. Yeah. But he coolly says, Mom, don't worry about it. I 80,000 euros this week That's or 80,000 pounds. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, That's in the back huge. pocket. Huge for parents like that, like who were low ranked. That's massive money. Like that, that helps them stay on the tour for another while. Can you explain to us why Wimbledon is in the amber as opposed to green or red? Yeah, amber. Well, the amber, the negative reason is there's it's a lack of star quality this year. So you have like no Rafael Nadal is injured. Obviously, Roger Federer and Serena Williams have retired in the last year. Andy Murray got knocked out Friday night against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Naomi Osaka's on maternity leave, oh. and Emma Raducanu is injured as well. So all the biggest names, Nick Kyrgios pulled out the night before the tournament. So literally, the biggest stars in the world, with the exception of Novak Djokovic, aren't playing. Having said that, you've had some great matches in the last week. Coco Goff against Sofia Kennan. Mm. Two sits of patches matches in a row against Dominic Team and then Murray. And then yesterday uh, was unbelievable on the women's side. Remember that Iga Sviantek, world number one, saved two match points against Blinda Bencic, who won the Olympics. Uh, first time she's ever got to a quarterfinal of Wimbledon, believe it or not, even though she's world number one and a four-time Grand Slam winner. And then the, probably the highlight then was Alina Svitolina from Ukraine against Victoria Azarenka from Belarus last night in court one. Uh, Svitolina won that in the final set tie break she said before the tournament started she won't shake the hands of anyone from Belarus or Russia nothing against the people but it's because of the war uh, Azarenka after the match just gave her a thumbs up to save the awkwardness and then Azarenka got booed off the court by the fans who I think <laughs> misunderstood the situation and Azarenka was actually doing Svitolina a favour also Svitolina um, gave birth to her first child only last October so it's a phenomenal achievement to win that match against Azarenka former Grand Slam champion Svitolina's been to two Grand Slam semi-finals but she said this was the highlight of her career because right. of everything that came with it so look it's a mixed bag lack of star quality so the casual fan might not be that interested but the matches are actually very good uh, I made the argument when we were texting yesterday for the performance dragons that the Derry Miners should be on the green so just uh, put, uh, we'll put that forward the Derry Miners were brilliant yesterday in that uh, All-Ireland final in, in the athletic grounds uh, Limerick and Kilkenny I know are way over time so maybe we'll get yeah, back, we'll get to, back, to, we'll get back to them yeah. very shortly because we have Shea Masicki uh, standing by very yep. shortly and we have Taggy Fogarty as well to dive uh, deeper into the Limerick and Kilkenny performances uh, but uh, Sarah the Irish in the 20s in the rugby brilliant 31-12 victory four tries Rich Murphy must be absolutely delighted with the team um, a little gutted that Brian Gleeson chose rugby over uh, hurling another guy gone to the dark side yeah, uh, we lost Darren Seaton a, a number of years ago and Tommaso O'Leary so yeah I, I, I think for, for this group and with what's coming with the World Cup in October there's a real momentum with Irish rugby and it's going to be incredibly exciting, exciting for that group of players to know that there's a, a, a pathway for them to play world-class rugby and they're now delivering on a world-class stage before that point. Yeah, 100%. And it's amazing. I was actually watching the French and English semi-final. England went ahead very early on in the game and then France came back and stormed back. So it's going to be an Ireland-France uh, final in that under-20s. Uh, just the second time as well, Ireland have been in the uh, World Rugby Under-20 Championship final. Uh, that was an emphatic win uh, against the host of Africa. So yeah, very patient and mature display from them and deservedly in the green. That is your performance rankings for this Monday morning. OTBAN's performance rankings 